Welcome to Turn the Page, the official podcast of the Syosset Public Library. everyone and welcome back to Turn the Page. I'm your host today, Jen, and I am joined by a fascinating researcher and writer who is here to talk about an extremely timely and important book. Hello, welcome to the show. Could I ask you to introduce yourself and your book, please? Yes, I'm uh, Deborah Plant and uh, I recently published the book title of Greed and Glory in Pursuit of Freedom for All. It's such a fascinating book, and it's a really, really interesting blend of history and personal reflection. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about um, your career and your journey toward this book. I guess it seems like my entire career was my journey to this book. Um, I've well, I started out in the English department and in in Memphis, and then I. When I came to Florida, I transitioned to an Africana Studies department. And I think that's, you know, that that had a lot to do with my understanding of, of history, particularly in relation to uh, what we call the peculiar institution of slavery. And uh, of course, over time, just, just seeing how things unfold, particularly in relation to mass incarceration, uh, because of the experiences of, of my brother and my family with my brother. And so it, it's like everything prepared me to to get to some fundamental kind of understanding about this. Uh, because as I you know expend efforts to try to try to emancipate my brother, as it were, it's 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 I had to understand what it is he was enthralled in, you know, and 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 to get to the roots of that, uh, and that's part of what I'm trying to do in, in this book is to is to yes look at the at the uh, consequences of uh, that we're dealing with in terms of domination and and various forms of domination, those consequences and and symptoms of of issues and what have you, but what what was at work uh, at the root of, of these systems of oppression. Uh, and so that that was my, that's my intention. And, and so my whole career pretty much has prepared me to, to do this kind of work. Mm. I'm curious, um, I know that um, you have written other works as a faculty member, um, but you have written this as an independent scholar. Um, do you feel like um, that affected um, your writing of the book and how personal you were allowed to get? Does, is that easier to do outside of like the academic environment or? Uh, not necessarily. I imagine if I were still in academia, uh, I, I would still write what I wrote because mm-hmm. I've always written what I wanted to write and I've always focused on who I wanted to focus on and take whatever approach I wanted to take. So that's just me. I'm, you know, independently minded and autonomous in, in that in that fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I think 
I had more, uh, what would I say, freedom in the sense of time and 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 how I direct my my time and what I put my attention to. I have more of that outside of academia. Mm. Um, academia for me became its own system of uh, domination. And uh, one of the reasons I left it was because I was becoming very ill. Mm. And uh, it's just the stress, the, uh, the politics of it, very political. And uh, I, I wanted my own freedom, mm. you know, and so I have I my sense of freedom is is so very deep in me that even that, you know, is is at the core of what I'm trying to get at in in this book about not only freedom but our personal sovereignty. Mm. Uh, so could you perhaps introduce our uh, our listeners to the argument um, at the at the center of this, could you talk a little bit about the 13th Amendment and, um, you know, how, what you talk about how it, you know, sort of preserved slavery in a different form while trying trying on the surface to prohibit it? Could you explain that for our listeners? Sure. Well, the 13th Amendment says that slavery is abolished uh, in the United States and, and U.S. territories with the exception that it, it would remain as punishment for crime. So in the middle of this statement about slavery being abolished is a clause that says, except in these cases, we're going to keep it. Uh, and so this preserved uh, slavery. And, and not only did it preserve it, uh, the thing of it is, you know, most of us learn in, in basic history courses, I think, you know, there was something called free states and slave states. Mm -hmm. But with the 13th Amendment and that clause, slavery then sort of leached into every other state, right? And so it spread it, mm -hmm. actually. And with, with this clause, then you have uh, the powers, the, the white male power structure post-Civil War, who uh, amongst them, of course, these former, quote unquote, former slave owners who wanted to again uh, resume control over those who they had control over, uh, you know, uh, before the war. And so one of the ways that they did that was to use that clause to justify the indiscriminate kind of uh, accusation of African-Americans with one crime or another that allowed them to, to then push them into the penal system that allowed them to, again, have access to, to their labor. Mm -hmm. And so again, so, so uh, the institution uh, continues. But the thing about the institution and what I learned through my research is that slavery is less about an institution than it is about a mindset. And that mindset did not die on Civil War battlefields, it continued. And it simply re reformulated how it would do the things that it did was ba basically to dominate a whole demographic of Americans. Mm. Yeah, and the book does a really um, thorough and very um, convincing, certainly, job of 
describing the ways in which it has become systemic, because as you say, it affects, you know, the economic systems, the political and social institutions that, you know, run our society. Um, yeah. Could you talk maybe about like this idea of like the carceral state and how it like kind of expands beyond just like the prison system and how it's sort of like, I think that that's a new idea for a lot of people who aren't like in the, you know, <laughs> in the, in the, no. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, we live in a carceral state in terms of the fact that our country is, is, has more people locked up in prison than any other country across the globe. Uh, over 2.5 million American citizens are locked up. Uh, over 200,000 are locked up for life. And of course, as you know, my brother is, is, is one of those people who is locked up for life. Now, this, this carceral system um, serves all kinds of purpose, purposes, including control of society in terms of uh, who is, 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 is um, stigmatized and marginalized and that kind of thing. But there's this whole economic aspect to it that we see corporations involved in, in creating more prisons. We see that uh, industries grow up around this. I mean, who's, who's making the chains that prisoners are wearing? Uh, who's benefiting from the products that prisoners produce in these prison systems? Uh, you've got whole towns that depend on, uh, you know, a, some penal institution or another for the 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 uh, economy of that whole town, and so it's it's, and then in the minds, in the minds of uh, Americans, there's this idea that law and order is happening, rather than exploitation and subjugation, um, and you know we we're we're convinced that this this is this keeps America safe, but in effect, most people will tell you in America they don't feel safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, and scholars as well as those who who've been in the in the system will tell you that it's not a deterrent from crime. Uh, and rather than our political officials doing what needs to to be done to help create security, like jobs, like housing, like mental health, you know, all of these kinds of social uh, issues that ought to be addressed. They prefer to simply say, well, we're taking care of the problem because we're getting the bad people off off the street and locking them up and throwing away the key. This undermines our sense of security. This undermines family stability. It undermines our communities. It doesn't it doesn't do what it says it does. It doesn't protect Americans. Uh, and it creates, in many cases, it creates a problem itself. A lot of the times, as my brother writes, he says people who who come to prison learn all kinds of things that they didn't know before. So if they are uh, free, then they sometimes will put to use what they've learned in prison. 
And, and why is that even an issue? Because when you are freed, there are all of these laws, all of these rules, all of these, these, these restrictions that keep people from actually rejoining society. You know, it's a stigma. Uh, you can't have public housing, food stamps. You, the things you need to do to get back on your feet, they deny you that. So they keep the system going. And so it, it affects all of us. Yes. Yeah. I'm really curious about, you know, how the, you know, your research blends with your personal reflection about your brother and how that does such a good job of reflecting both the, you know, systemic nature of this and the, the impact that it has on individual lives, you know? And so I'm curious, like when you, when we talk about like how we address this, you know, um, we're talking about, you know, like a, a multi-generational, you know, long struggle. And how do you, you know, how do you walk that line between remaining hopeful and realistic, if that makes sense, you know, for like the yeah, long absolutely. fight like that? Yeah, because, you, and you're right, it, it is a, it's a long journey, right? First of all, uh, I've got to... I've got to imagine my brother free. And then I've got to imagine America living up to uh, her description as being the land of the free, right? America is the land of the free. Well, it's our responsibility to help it become that. Okay, so my idea is that, you know, we, we, we think that things that, that, the past means things were done and completed, right? Like something like the American Revolution, right? Like it, it happened with 1776, whatever. And, and the thing about it is that it's not true. And we need to stop teaching American Revolution like it's quote unquote past history. Mm -hmm. American Revolution continues, right? It didn't end with the uh, signing of the Treaty of Paris that says, okay, now uh, we're no longer a colony of, of, of Britain. We're a free independent nation. Well, the ideals that help to bring that about, the ideals of liberty and justice and freedom uh, and sovereignty, those ideals were not downloaded whole uh, because there was a revolutionary war. Those ideals are ideals that have to be evolved. We have to grow into them. We have to embody those ideals. And for me, the idea is that that part of the American Revolution, when we look at the word revolution, inside it is evolution, right? And so it is up to us to evolve those ideals. And I think when we understand what we are up against, like we don't want a carceral state uh, when we understand that it negatively affects the entire country. We don't want that. So we have to envision what, what we do want. And if we really are to be the land of liberty and freedom, then we can't just say that. We have to embody that. What does liberty and freedom and justice and democracy and equality look like in my own life? What does it look like in my relationships? What does it look like if I am an employer 
or an employee? What does it look like if I'm a public official? Am I really trying to create a more perfect union or am I going down the road of divisiveness? And if I'm a citizen, don't I have the responsibility to ask my uh, political leadership, what are you doing? You know, so my hope, I have to have hope because I can't accept what I see. Well, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts uh, with us and sharing this book with us and your story. I'm very excited to, uh, you know, recommend it to our patrons who want to learn more about this struggle. So thank you for making the time to talk to me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's time to close this chapter of Turn the Page. Join us for the next episode.